I'm Corey Stroman. Welcome to the Rochester Rising podcast, where we amplify the stories of entrepreneurs in Rochester, Minnesota. Thank you for spending some time with us today to learn more about small business and the culture of entrepreneurship in our area. We hope that you learned something today from a local entrepreneur that can help you with your own journey. Rochester Rising is a part of Collider, a local nonprofit that activates, connects, and empowers early-stage entrepreneurs in our community. You can learn more about Collider and how our organization can help accelerate and assist your journey at collider.mn. Today on the podcast, we chat with Autumn Gilliam about her wine education and tasting business, The Adventurous Sip. Let's get started. Hello, Autumn. Thank you so much for being on the show with me today. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yay, my pleasure. Well, tell me about what initially brought you to Rochester and what you say would keep you around. Sure. So um, my family and I moved to Rochester about eight years ago. Um, My husband works at Mayo Clinic, so he was offered a position there. And so that's what brought us here. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. What's kind of your background in work and education? Sure. So... um, I have been a golf professional for the last 25 years, so I've been doing that for a really long time. Um, I still do a little bit of that and enjoy that a lot. Um, And then recently I got into wine um, because we live in glorious Minnesota where it's nice and cold all winter, so golf's not really a thing during the winter time. Um, I always loved wine and I thought... Gosh, you know, I'm just going to go get my wine education because I'd love to do that during the wintertime when I'm not doing golf stuff. So um, dove right into that. Um, and now I'll be starting a level four certification in January, which wow. is the highest that you can get with the Wine and Spirits Education Trust. I'm currently a level three, which is an advanced certification, but yeah. this will just go one step further. Right. That's very cool. Um, stepping back a little bit, what would you say initially sparked your interest in wine and then specifically wine education? And at what point did you decide to turn that passion into a business? Sure. Um, so when I was 19 years old, my aunt and uncle lived in Geneva, Switzerland. Oh, wow. And I was lucky enough to go there and visit with them, um, for about three weeks, So we went to, um, obviously we're in Switzerland, but we also traveled to France and to Germany and my aunt exposed me to French wine at a young age, which I'm sure probably spoiled <laughs> <laughs> my taste in wine from the get-go. But I just tasted it. I thought, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. And then all of the wines had such a unique story to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so that really got me into wine and into liking wine. Um, that clearly got tabled as I <laughs> Came back to the States. (laughs) um, That got tabled for a while. Had to finish school and all of that stuff. I got into golf. But wine was always in the background with my golf career. Mm -hmm. Um, So this is really cool to be able to take something that's kind of always been there and jump into that now. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. For listeners that don't necessarily know exactly what all your uh, wine education business entails. Can you kind of walk them through the services that you offer? Absolutely. So I do private in-home wine tastings. Um, So we'll take a small group, anywhere from four to 10 people, uh, bring them together. I kind of get a lot of information from my client. 
And then I will select some wines for them to taste and we do it blind. So the group tries to guess what they're tasting and um, then I'll let them know what it is, where it's from, so what country it came from, and then uh, where to find it in town. And then they also try to guess how much it is, which is also just really, really interesting. So my client will give me a budget to work with Mm -hmm. um, so that I'm selecting wines that are within their specific price range. Um, It's always super fun, though, to have that $15 bottle of wine just be singing at a tasting and people thinking, oh, this has to be $45 or $50. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm like, no, you don't have to spend that much for a really good bottle of wine. You just have to know what you're looking for. Right. Absolutely. When I worked in the service industry, we would do wine tastings with our, you know, wine rep and he would sometimes, you know, walk us through and explain like expensive isn't always better than like, you know, your your 15 to $30 range. You can get really excellent wines on a budget. Absolutely. And there's some great values to be had out there that people who aren't in the know don't necessarily know how to find those. Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of times reading wine labels from other countries are very difficult. Sure. Um, so I have a lot of clients that come to me and say, can you just go with me to the store for 15 minutes and stand in the wine section and just kind of tell me what I'm even looking at? Because I think it's intimidating to walk into a, yeah. a store and be looking at all these bottles and having no idea Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what some of them even say. Um So in those tastings and in those one-on-one sessions, I can really break down for them. Okay, you're looking at an Italian bottle of wine, okay? Mm -hmm. If that label says DOCG, that means that you are getting the highest quality that you can Mm -hmm. get. Mm -hmm. DOC is going to be a level below that, and then IGT is going to be a level below that. Okay, sure. Um, Just that one piece of information Mm -hmm. can really just make you feel better about your purchase, right? Yeah, definitely, definitely. (laughs) Uh, Are there tells also, like, as people are shopping, so say, like, I'm somebody that likes a really dry, citrusy white wine in the summer, you know? Are there ways to kind of determine that from a label other than maybe looking at the alcohol content for sweetness? Sure. Um, So you are going to be looking for the great varietal. Um, So like a Sauvignon Blanc is going to fit that characteristic. Mm -hmm. Um, You can look for a dry Riesling. So a lot of people think that Riesling has to be sweet, but there's lots of variations of Riesling. And a dry Riesling is excellent for that. But you would want to look at the alcohol content Mm -hmm. in it to kind of guide you on a Riesling for sweetness level. So the sweeter the wine, the lower the alcohol Mm -hmm. content. The drier the wine, the higher the alcohol content. That's really the best way if you're Mm -hmm. not familiar with grape varietals. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for the helpful hints. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) Well, um, when you were first kind of launching into starting your business, were there any big challenges or barriers you faced during that time? So I had been doing golf for such a long time. I kind of already knew how that ran and what to do there. So stepping into this space, I was really coming in brand new, Mm -hmm. really didn't know what I was was doing. I just knew that I had an idea and I knew that I had a passion for it and I knew that it could work. Um, and that's really when I reached out to Clyder. 
to help yeah. me with that because I just wasn't sure what I needed mm-hmm. to make sure that my business was going to be safe, protected, and be able to offer the services that I wanted to um, in the right way. So the guidance that I received from Collider is just invaluable. Well, thank you. Yeah. I'm really. It's always awesome to hear stories of people that like came to us for help and that actively like helped out that, the process for them. Yeah, so. absolutely. Just the amount of steps that I was able to go through to mm-hmm. really make sure that I was executing my business correctly mm-hmm. was just so helpful. That's awesome. Shout out to Juliana. Who yeah, does an awesome absolutely. Job. <laughs> oh my gosh, she's amazing. She is. She <laughs> is. So what year would you say that you like fully began your business? Was it this year? Yeah, so okay. it was this year. So it was early 2023. Okay. Um, I wanted to make sure that I had some certifications on board before mm-hmm. I started with things. Yep. Um, I just want to make sure that I was legit and I had all the things that I needed in order to move forward. Yeah, absolutely. Have you found that Rochester has been a receptive community for your business so far? So far, yes. Like, I can't believe how many doors have opened um, to me, um, which is really cool because I think anytime you're starting something, you want to give yourself a lot of grace and knowing that it's just going to take a lot of time. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. To kind Mm -hmm. of get things going. Um, But yeah, I was able to jump right in and make some really good connections throughout the community. Um, and everybody's just so willing to help. It's great. That's fantastic. <laughs> what are some of your strategies as far as finding clients and letting people know about your business? Um, sure. So one of the things that I do is I just have a really good relationship with all of the, um, wine stores in mm-hmm. town. Sure. Um, so Tessa's office, Jack's bottle shop, um, mm-hmm. Apollo Andy's, like I just make sure that I have good relationships with those people. Mm-hmm. Um, because I'm in there really selecting what I want to use for my tastings. Yeah. Definitely. Um, and I tend to focus more on with Tessa's and Jack's because they're small, they're local. Mm-hmm. They really are in touch with our community mm-hmm. a lot more. Sure. And And then I'm also driving business, you know, to their places as well. So yeah, definitely a symbiotic relationship, which is fantastic. What can people kind of expect to experience when they're utilizing your services? Like say someone hires you to do an in-home tasting. What does that experience look like? So um, when someone hires me to do an in-home tasting, um, I usually arrive at their house about 30 to 45 minutes ahead of time. I bring tasting sheets, pens. um, I have all the wine already bottled up and ready to go. Um, and then we sit down and we talk about how to taste a wine and how to evaluate a wine for value. So right off the bat, we're just learning how to look at wine a little bit differently Mm -hmm. and some cues that you can take from the wine and learning what you like in wine and what you don't like in wine. I think that's the biggest thing that comes across in tastings is that people really get a better understanding for what they actually do like and Mm -hmm. what they don't like. And so those are help them help guide their decisions better in the Mm -hmm. future about like what they would purchase and what they wouldn't purchase. Um, so we go through each wine, we taste it, 
We usually pair it with some sort of snack um, just so that you can see what the relationship is between the food and the wine. Mm-hmm. And really learning that food affects your wine way more than wine affects your food. Interesting. Um, which I think most people think it's the opposite mm-hmm. way around, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so we talk a lot about that and then everybody tries to guess what the wine is, which is always super fun. And then guess what the price is. And that's just when everybody starts laughing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but it's super casual, relaxed environment. So there are no wrong questions. Um, and people are free to ask as many questions about anything having to do with wine. Um, and that, small group atmosphere makes it super easy for people to do that. Cause I think when you say wine, it's like deer in headlights sometimes like super overwhelming. I mm-hmm. don't want to say anything wrong. Mm-hmm. It can be stuffy and that's not the environment that we create when I'm doing a wine tasting, super casual, super relaxed, super fun. It sounds delightful. What do you find most rewarding and enjoyable about your work? I would say best part is seeing the light bulbs turn on in people's heads when they taste something, um, when they discover that they can actually taste cherry in a wine or they can smell the oak barrel that the wine was aged in. When people have those light bulb moments and go, oh my gosh, I really like that. Or gosh, I didn't think about getting wine from Portugal before, but now I'm totally going to do that. You know, um, just showing them that there's more to wine than Napa Cabernet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, and some Italian, like Pinot Grigio or something, you know, mm-hmm. just showing people that there's a whole world out there um, that can be explored right through a bottle of wine. Yeah, that's so fun. My husband works in beer and in, so he's a brewer at Little Thistle Brewing. Oh my gosh, how fun! <laughs> yes, it is super fun, and he definitely like through developing beer concepts. Like, obviously, has like a palate. He notices a lot. He notices a lot of flavors and things. And for a long time, he was just kind of like averse to wine. He must have had some wines that he just didn't care for. Yeah. But then you know, he's a really good sport. So, you know, if I'm, (laughs) if I'm drinking wine, he's like, Oh, let me try that. Let me try that. And, and over the last couple of years, it's been really fun seeing him figure out the things that he actually really enjoys in wines. Like, Oh, he's a big, like jammy red wine guy. Like he loves that. Um, and going from like, "Mm, I'm not into wine to being like open to that experience. And then seeing like, oh, I actually love this. This is a fantastic beverage. Absolutely. That's so funny that you say that because my husband is the same way. He's a beer drinker through and through, doesn't really care for wine at all. But now at home, randomly, (laughs) he will say... Oh, I think I'll have a glass of wine. I'm like, oh my gosh, is this is this this happening? Is this happening? (laughs) But the unfortunate thing is that I think I spoiled him on expensive wine. Oh yeah. (laughs) So his palate is maybe a little bit higher. Too refined. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. (laughs) Maybe I made a mistake there, but he's into it now. So it's really fun to see different drinkers. Um pick that up, you know, maybe they thought, no, I'm not drinking wine. I don't like it. I don't like it. But then Mm -hmm. if they get exposed to the right things, um, you know, some of those flavors and stuff, they're like, Oh, I actually do like that. And that's fun that your husband is a brewer because yes, 
a lot of that fermentation stuff um, is similar yeah. in the wine world. Um, so that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And <laughs> like, um, yeah, doing beer tastings and stuff too with him and stuff. You know, it just, it develops your palate in a different way to just be open to all kinds of different, because probably early in my drinking career, I wouldn't have gone to beer automatically. You know, I was a wine and whiskey girl when I first started drinking and then it's just developed to figure out that like, Oh, I really love sour beers. I really like wild fermentation beers, you know, stuff like that, Uh, which the bridge from those kind of beers to wine is a lot closer, you know, than a stout to a wine, but (laughs) (laughs) yeah, Yeah, absolutely though. And there's so many there's so much crossover. Mm-hmm. Um, I have done some events where I've had beer drinkers there. And so we'll try to do some beers in there. Yeah. And it is really interesting because they do smell and have aromas and stuff, just like a glass of wine would. Definitely. And a lot of people don't think about that stuff, mm-hmm. but it is really cool to think about it. It is a wide world out there. <laughs> it is. That's for sure. Well, do you have any big plans for the future moving forward? Um, yes. Um, so I'm starting this certification. Um, my social media has kind of taken off a little bit recently, so, um, we'll see what happens there. I recently went to a trade tasting in Chicago that I got invited to, um, that I would have never even thought was possible, um, and got to try some really cool wines there. Um, I'm hoping that within the next year or so, um, I'm going to try to get my foot in the door with doing some wine judging, um, which would be really cool um, and fun. Um, I think there's some new places that that could potentially be coming to Rochester um, that would be wine driven. So I would say stay tuned for those things um, because there are some wine opportunities coming to Rochester. Very fun. I'll be pestering you about that in the future. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Well, what is a piece of advice that you would give to someone considering jumping into business business ownership? Um, I would say don't um, don't let people tell you no. If you really believe in your idea and you know it's a good idea and it's mm-hmm. solid, don't let anyone tell you that you can't do it. Yeah, um, because you totally can. Um, but come to Collider. Um, because they will help you so much just refine your idea mm-hmm. and make it something that you can actually bring to market. Um, cause sometimes what we have in our head doesn't translate to paper super correct. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't, it needs, yeah. Refinement. It just needs refinement. Um, and Clyder does an awesome job with that. Thank you. Well, what are your, some of your hobbies and interests outside of work? Um, so obviously golf. Um, mm-hmm. I have two little boys at home. I have a three-year-old and an eight-year-old, and my mm-hmm. eight-year-old is very much into golf. So well, I'm in, <laughs> yeah, I'm enjoying um, playing golf with him. Um, I enjoy working out. I am an avid home cook. I just absolutely love cooking. Um, so when I have free time, I do that, yeah. Well, excellent. Thank you so much for being here and for sharing your story with me. Thank you so much, Corey, for having me. Thanks so much to Autumn for sharing her story. You can learn more about The Adventurous Sip by clicking the link in our show notes. And thank you for tuning into the podcast today. We are so appreciative of your time spent listening and of your support of our work here at Collider. 
If you know an entrepreneur who would benefit from the conversation today, please share this podcast with them so that they can benefit from the experience of other business owners in the community. We launched Rochester Rising in 2016 to tell stories of entrepreneurship taking place within the city of Rochester, especially stories that otherwise would not have been told, and to take the time to understand each entrepreneur and what their experience has been like in this community. If you find value in this podcast, please consider donating and lending support of Collider's efforts to share the stories of entrepreneurs and inspire others on their journey. You can find more information about our tip jar and how to donate in our show notes. Thanks again for tuning into the Rochester Rising podcast. Mm -hmm.